Good morning. My name is Jordan Myers. I'm an ordained pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, ordained about 10 years ago. And my family and I have been attending Elger Park for the last couple of years. And uh, it's a gift to be with you and share in the proclamation of God's Word. As we continue this sermon series, Living Easter, today we draw our attention to St. Stephen. St. Stephen, who is best known for dying as the first Christian martyr. This brought some immediate challenges to the concept of living, but that was not the only challenge I would have this morning. My family and I, as I've said, have attended Elder for the last couple of years, and when I first met Pastor Stefan, it took me a good couple of weeks to think Stefan and not Stephen. And now this morning, I'm going to do my very best to say Stephen and not Stephan. If, however, over the next few moments, I happen to say Stephan instead of Stephen, don't view it as some subliminal message or subversive move on my part. It's just a mistake. However, there are many similarities between Pastor Stephan and St. Stephen. And for this, I'm grateful. Both Stephen and Stephen are godly men, filled with the Holy Spirit, not afraid to stand up to power and speak gospel truth regardless of the consequences. Both Pastor Stephen and St. Stephen are gifted communicators for kingdom advancement, and they're both full of wisdom. These two men are great examples of what it looks like to practice living Easter. At this point, I do not reference Pastor Stephan again in the sermon. (laughs) So if I say Stephan, please do me the biggest favor and just think Stephen. Let's read today's text found in Acts chapter 7, starting with verse 54 through verse 60, found on page 15. 61 in your pew Bibles. Acts chapter 7, starting with verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When Stephen said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. So who is Stephen? To fully appreciate today's sermon text, we need to explore chapter 6 of Acts as well and to understand what Easter living looks like for Stephen. 
Stephen is really only referenced in these two books in the book of Acts, these two chapters. He comes into the story in verse 5 of chapter 6, and he exits the story as we see in verse 60 of chapter 7. The book of Acts is a compilation of Easter living stories. The book of Acts describes the growth of the early Christian church and the spread of the gospel throughout the entirety of the Roman Empire. And as the church grew, they experienced some obstacles. Obstacles like where the funding would come from to support this new movement. Obstacles like how to overcome the persecution that came against them as they sought to expand the church. And obstacles like how do we care for the physical needs of our new congregation who have joined us in this movement. That last obstacle of serving the physical needs of the community is brought to light in verse 1 of chapter 6. It reads, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve, referencing the twelve disciples of Jesus, minus Judas plus Matthias, gathered all the disciples together and they said to them, it would not be right for us to sacrifice or neglect the ministry of the word of God to wait on tables. So the disciples tell the community, find seven men among you, seven people to serve the community. People full of the spirit and full of wisdom and we will turn that responsibility over to them and we will bless them in their efforts and then we will continue with the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word. So the 12 disciples of Jesus continue to preach and teach and focus on prayer and the ministry of the word, and they direct, but they hear the community's need. They hear the need for caring for the physical needs, and they knew that they didn't have the capacity to do this and that, and so they instructed the community to care for them. The community heard this and uh, in, were enlightened by that idea in, in moved forth to form a diaconate. This is when Stephen enters into the story. The community was pleased by the idea and in, they selected Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, along with six additional men. To be a deacon, one must be of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. In essence, reputable, spiritual, and practical. And this describes Stephen well. So Stephen begins his ministry to ensure that the physical needs of the community are met in serving the vulnerable populations. However, in addition to serving those physical needs, Stephen was also performing great wonders and signs amongst the people. We aren't told exactly what these great wonders and signs are that Stephen was performing, but we are told the response. In verse 9, it says, Opposition arose from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen. This opposition grew into arguing, but they could not hold their own against Stephen because he was given wisdom by the Spirit. When reading this story, it was easy for me to immediately side with Stephen. We see the right and we see the wrong and we stand on the side that we agree with. That's how our allegiances work. 
However, in this story, scholar and theologian Willie James Jennings reminds us He says it's important to note that Stephen's words and ministry are not opposed by evil God-haters, but by faithful Jews who understood slavery. The ancient yet contemporary horror that reduced people, their people, their families, to utility bodies and nameless tools. These people understanding what oppression looked like, they were standing against Stephen because they knew slavery either personally or of paternal memory. And their commitment to Israel and its way with life was deeply ingrained in their hard-won freedoms. Jennings says, we are all born into this space between faith and fear. And we forever live in this space between faith and fear. And it's only the Holy Spirit that holds that space wide enough that the fear doesn't collapse in upon us. The church has always lived in this space between faith and fear, wanting so badly to live fully into the faith, but often being held back by our fear. These Jewish leaders that were arguing with Stephen were arguing with Stephen because of fear that his ministry might upset the freedom that they had found. For a people who have experienced slavery and oppression, there was a fear that unless they were vigilant, they may return to that slavery that they had fought so hard to rid themselves of. So oppression rises. The oppressors can't hold their own against Stephen's great divine wisdom. And so they seek an alternative plan to silence Stephen and his ministry. Acts chapter 6 verse 11 says, Then they, the oppressors, secretly persuaded some men in their community to be false witnesses and to say that Stephen was being blasphemous. Blasphemous both against Moses and against God. Now blasphemy was no joking matter, and the leaders knew this. They knew that making a claim of blasphemy against Stephen was a surefire way to silence his ministry and his voice. These claims were made about Stephen, and he was brought before the Sanhedrin in ancient times when there was a dispute in the community that was bigger than they could solve on their own. They'd bring it to the Sanhedrin and they would speak wisdom into the process and help bring decisions and clarity. So the high priest asks Stephen. He asks if the charges of blasphemy against Stephen were true. And Stephen doesn't just respond with a simple no, but instead he tells a story. Stephen knew that story had the ability to inspire and connect people across their differences. Stories can evoke emotions and offer new perspectives. Stephen knew that stories had been used for centuries to transmit the history and legacy of this particular community, his community. Stephen knew that by sharing a story, he could engage the audience and convey information in a way that might just possibly transform their minds and have a profound impact on how they saw themselves and the world around them. In Stephen's story, he speaks of Israel's greats, of Abraham and Joseph and Moses. He masterfully helps the listeners to travel through their story into uncharted places of their soul and their mind and memory. 
They recall great devotion and rebellion, all tied up in their history and their legacy. We see a great storyteller at work inviting his listeners in, inviting them to move from death to life, from, faith, from fear to faith, from death to resurrection. But this is not Stephen at work. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through Stephen to protect his ministry and further his ministry. In the Gospel of Luke, we read that the Holy Spirit will teach us at the very hour what we ought to say, and we see this so vividly through Stephen's story. Stephen shares this beautiful story of the history of his people, of these people. And as a reader, you have to think or hope that maybe the listeners in the room are being moved. Maybe they're being softened and feeling a warm uh, sense of community with Stephen as he shares their beautiful history. Stephen has this powerful ministry as he retells the history thinking about the ways that maybe they had misjudged him. Maybe it was a mistake to bring him before the Sanhedrin this day and bring about these false witnesses to stifle his ministry. However, to me at least, it seems that maybe Stephen left the Holy Spirit script in verse 51. Not being in the room, it's hard to say if the people were engaging with Stephen, hearing him, maybe having uh, feelings of community with him, or if they were being cold and hard toward his story. But in verse 51, after this beautiful story throughout all of chapter 7, Stephen says, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resisted the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. An abrupt ending to a beautiful story that Stephen is telling. And you can feel Stephen's emotions and convictions pouring forth. And all the while, Scripture tells us that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. But even before Stephen addresses the Sanhedrin that day, he knew the potential outcomes. According to Levitical law, the charge for blasphemy was stoning. And even in this, with this high cost in front of Stephen, he leans in and shares their beautiful story. Stephen's faith was tested to the extreme, but he did not waver. His faith did not waver. He remained steadfast in his love for Christ, even in the face of death. Stephen knew confidently that God would not leave him, that he would be with him and would never leave him. Willie James Jennings again says, no matter how hard they are thrown, the stones cannot separate Stephen from God. Nor can any stone, no matter its velocity, its surprising angle, or its accuracy in hitting our vulnerable places, can ever separate those who know the Savior from God. So I tell you, be like Stephen. Hold firm to your convictions and allow the Spirit to work through you. 
Respond to your oppressors with stories. Share stories with one another to humanize each other so that we can truly live in community together. Let us seek to break down the barriers that exist between us. We live in a society where stones are thrown every day. Stones are thrown at our faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And often now, stones are thrown by our faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes those in the church throw stones in an effort to protect the church. Stones are thrown out of fear that the church is somehow in trouble and that by their vigilance they can protect where we're going. Stones are thrown, but stones cannot silence the truth of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot let the stones that are cast in our direction silence our witness for God's divine kingdom. We cannot let the stones wipe out our faith, our faith in God, our faith in Jesus Christ, and our faith in the Holy Spirit. Likewise, we cannot let these stones get in the way of our being the church, a church that follows after Christ to serve the needs of our community. We are called to be the church, serving and caring for those in need and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone. We are not to limit who can receive this good news. There is truly enough for everyone. There's a famous quote by Tertullian, a prolific Christian author and theologian, that says, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Today's story of Stephen is just but the first example at the beginning of the Christian movement, only the beginning of the resistance that the church would and is experiencing. We can feel inspired by Stephen's witness, even when he saw with clarity the outcome that was to come his way, he continued to let the Spirit work in and through him. Even when it was clear that he would be condemned, he sees Jesus in his midst. At the most difficult moment in his faith journey, Stephen is still loving his community around him, calling out to God to forgive those who transgressed against him. As we sit here this morning, we may feel like the ones having stones thrown in our direction. We may feel like Stephen seeking to be faithful in the midst of constant oppression, seeking to continuously love our neighbors and open wide the doors of the church, seeking to remain faithful and praying for those who may be causing us pain. We may feel like stones are being thrown in our direction because we are seeking to be faithful to the Word of God and to our convictions. Or, we may be sitting here this morning feeling convicted that we are the ones throwing stones. Throwing stones because we are afraid of what might happen if we are not vigilant in protecting the church. Throwing stones because we know what is best for our faith community. Well, the beauty of Christ is that he will sit with us on both sides 
of this conversation. Christ will sit with us when we feel like Stephen, seeking to be faithful to our calling all the while being persecuted. And Christ will sit with us when we feel like the religious leaders, not realizing that we may be casting stones at our own brothers and sisters. May our convictions be so strong. May we be ever dependent on the Holy Spirit. And may we drop our stones and love one another. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you for this powerful story of your servant, Stephen. We thank you for the ways that your Holy Spirit worked through this vessel to share the rich legacy that you have been a part of moving the church from fear to faith, from death to resurrection. We thank you that Stephen was willing to give his life for the advancement of the kingdom in such a time. And we thank you for your son who came knowing the consequences of his faith journey yet still sacrificed himself for us. God, as we come to your table this morning, let us remember those things. Amen.